Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, Lavender Gooms. Happy Tuesday, everyone. DJ Mark. Boy. Boy. <laughs> Kid presentable. Was there more to what Mark was about to say? I he just like yelled. He was short of catchphrase right there. No, everyone who's played God of War cracking up right now. Boy. Oh, I, I thought you were having a stroke. No, no, no. No, no, no. You, you guys haven't been enlightened yet, that's all. By the way, those of you who actually are what we like to call the shit-eating wildmen of this podcast, who have downloaded this episode Monday night in the short window between when I drop it and the day ends, and you're confused by Mike's Happy Tuesday call-out, we salute you, though. Just know that. We salute you for your dedication. For, for the normal ones of you that actually download it, you know, tomorrow or Tuesday, uh, also know tomorrow, well, Tuesday is National Pigs in a Blanket Day. Oh, now you're talking my language. You gotta, you know, you're all adult. If you're an adult, class it up. Go to Trader Joe's. Go get that hot dog and a pastry thing with a little parmesan on top go get one of those oh yeah me and christine there's a bagel place across the street they do a bagel dog oh to die for a bagel dog oh yeah oh they're, they're, they got to be in new york too check that i shit. don't know that sounds interesting it is I mean, we're just talking about dogs i had a nice cheese dog at the dog park yesterday it's a nice little kiosk at a uh, point isabel you know got a coffee uh, it's a five. It's a ten dollar minimum on that card, so I was yeah, kind of worse into buying. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta rack it up, it, but uh, good cheese dog. Mm, good to know. There we go, kids. Get your cheese dogs. Get your bagel dogs. Get your pigs in a blanket. Again, I recommend the Trader Joe's variety. Class it up. You know, it's gotta be good. Trader Joe's is quality shit. Man, dude, I went to Trader Joe's this weekend, and I I walk I make purchases at Trader Joe's that I don't make at other grocery stores. Like, I go to the frozen food section. I'm like, yeah, I need I need gnocchi. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> that frozen food is, is it's really good. The, the it is, is really nice. I can't go to Trader Joe's, man, because I'm next thing I know I'm in line. I have five bags of trail mix, two bags of beef jerky, and I'm like, I got no produce. I got oh, no greens. I just got a lot of trail mix, dude. I straight up bought like. It, it, I bought gnocchi or gnocchi. I bought like zucchini fries. Then I bought like turkey jerky, and uh, I bought a bottle. I bought a six pack of their beer, and I'm like, "This is not a. This is no. There's no meal here. No part of this <laughs> constitutes yeah, a meal. Not, not a good meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys have tuned in, by the way, to Joe Talk, our Trader Joe podcast, um, and hot dogs. And hot dogs. If I had a Trader Joe podcast, the first episode would be me complaining about all the things Trader Joe no longer carries. I don't okay. think I ever told you guys that. I actually just discovered Trader Joe's about two months ago. Oh, your life has changed forever. Yeah, this is, you know, Mike's not, when he looks at the calendar, everything is B-T-J and A-T-J. There Before are, and after Trader Joe's. 
There are two things that I've told Phil that I think white people are keeping uh, keeping from us colored people. First, it was a few years ago. I said it was mutual funds and stocks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that one. That was a good start. Can't and build that sec- well. And the second was Trader Joe's. That one's a little harder to swallow, but I also get it. Probably not a lot of Trader Joe's in your more, I don't know, like ghetto-like areas. It does seem to be more of a suburban white neighborhood marketplace at least from what i've seen i will say they opened a trader joe's in uh downtown san francisco uh kind of by the old navy outside of union square and let me tell you it is a obstacle course of homeless people you have to dodge that are asking for trail mix but <laughs> when you buy five bags of trail mix you can afford to give up one of them to help <laughs> like, dude, we know you bought one too many trail mix bags Give it over. You you shop at Trader Joe's. You get more than one of these things. Like you think they're gonna like. Well, this is it, man. I need two bags of this. You know, <laughs> I can never come back. I might as well stock up. Trader Joe's isn't that close to me. There's not a lot of them. If they're not like the proliferation of like Safeways and everything. So when you go, you got to make it count. You don't know the next time you're gonna be back there. I point. mean, you gotta you gotta brave that Trader Joe's parking lot too. If you have to drive there, you know, if you're not in like a urban area that's but you're literally been talking about trader joe's and food for like you know the first five minutes of this show this is wonderful um you guys should go there they make really good turkey jerky can we get sponsored by trader joe's has there been a podcast sponsored by trader joe's endorsement i was gonna say like has anybody has anybody pursued a trader joe's podcast sponsorship because i think we can be the people because dumb fuckers like us just talk about for free they're like we don't need to pay you you're gonna talk about it anyways you love that trail mix talk about it those frozen foods I like the cat cookies. Have you guys seen those crazy cat cookies? Dude, like I got the ba- I got the baked Cheetos. I forgot about those too. Those I baked Cheetos. You, you somehow convince yourself they're good for you because they're baked. They taste exactly the same as fucking Cheetos. There's no way healthier. Yeah, they're not healthier. <laughs> no, but they taste good. That's what oh, goddamn, they do. Yeah. All right, kids. Let's talk about some fucking fights. This past Saturday, from whatever sad-ass casino they could find in Atlantic City, uh, they put on UFC Fight Night, Barbosa versus Kevin Lee. Uh, actually coming to you from the Boardwalk Hall. Attendance, 9,500 people. A gate of a little bit less than 900 and... A little bit more, $923,000. Um, main event, Kevin Lee, Edson Barbosa. Um, Stefan, you and me out here waving that Kevin Lee flag. Bit disappointing to see the man miss weight. Um... He almost got bobbied in the second or third round when I said how great he was looking. And then he, you know, got kicked right upside of his head. But overall, uh, Kevin Lee went out there and really put on a pretty great performance, wouldn't you say? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, missed I missed last week's episode. Stefan, both of your microphones are picking up right now. Yeah, I'm going to fix that. Hold on. One moment, please. Uh, as I, I'll jabber a little bit more about Kevin Lee because I was talking to Stefan while we were watching this. Uh... Kevin Lee put an ass whooping on on Edson Barboza, Steph, and uh, that's two in a row now where Edson Barboza is just getting his ass whooped because Khabib did the same thing to him. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, the best take I saw on it is uh, Kevin Lee somehow made Khabib's domination of Edson look tame because uh, Kevin Lee throws hard. There was a point where he punched the ground where he missed, and you heard the thud of his knuckle on the mat. He he When I was watching the fight, the one thing that I saw in common, which was always a trait I uh, thought was one of the parts of the thing that made John Jones great, he fights mean. He fights, like, angry. He fights with, like, ill intent. You know, like, there's a lot of guys who swing hard, but, like, you know, it's like 
he's mean mugging at the end of that bell and everything. And yeah, a lot of fighters do it. And maybe I'm not giving it justice, but Kevin Lee, he's got a he's got a mean streak to him. And it it's it's kind of really like shot him to the top of the division. Yeah. You know, um, the weight thing is kind of uh, unfortunate. And he, he, I think we were talking about a little bit is apparently this is the first time he's missed, but why does it feel like he has trouble making this weight? I was trying to look up what happened the last time he fought when he lost to Tony Ferguson. There was that whole weird situation. Cause he took the fight on short notice and then he missed weight, but I guess they, they like Las Vegas just kind of decided right there. You have an extra two hours. If it's a title fight. And he also had staff, so he ultimately made the weight, but it was such a debacle, I think both you and I, because I, th I thought the same thing you did, like, how many times is this guy going to miss weight? I think both of us took away took away from that thing, that fight thinking he'd missed weight somehow. I, I think the reason why you're thinking that is because while he's never missed weight before, I think a lot of his uh, weigh-ins have been very close calls where um, he's always gotten it in maybe at the nick of time or, um, you know... Uh, it's always talked about that it was a hard weight cut because he is a pretty big guy for 155. Well, bigger than a normal because all of them are pretty massive at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's fair also, Mike, because uh, Khabib missed weight only one time. I mean, Khabib didn't even miss weight. He didn't make it to the scale with the Teramisu thing. So, and, but everybody's now, I mean, anytime Khabib has to go to a scale from now on, we're all going to be holding our fucking breath. You know, it just takes one incident. Um, I mentioned it. Um, Kevin Lee was doing really well. And I was talking to Stefan during, as I mentioned, during the fight, and I was telling Steph how Kevin Lee's really doing a good job here. And I mean, even if like what, you know, almost happened, happened, I would have stood by that. He's 25 years old and he's very clearly still improving. But Marcus, in the third round, I believe it was, um, Barboza threw a wheel kick and Barboza's wheel kick is basically his, you know, his finisher. So he hit him with it. It looked like Kevin Lee blocked some of it initially, but it got him right up near the temple and he started doing a chicken dance that if he if Edson had managed to finish him would be like a Rashad Evans Brock Lesnar level meme of getting you know your ass whooped but uh Marcus he was able to recover and that was honestly pretty impressive wouldn't you say yeah no I mean I have a lot of takeaways uh for Kevin Lee in this fight and it's something that I kind of needed from him because I hadn't seen his rise to where he got the um the title shot against uh Tony Ferguson and I kind of need to see what the hype was about. And I saw it in this fight, right? And in the moment that you're describing is one of those moments where you can kind of see a guy has a lot of potential where, uh, yeah, he got in the stank leg, right? Like it didn't look in the initial, when he, when it initially landed, if it landed that clean, but a second later, he, he was on wobbly feet. He couldn't get underneath him. And what he did really smart, which we talked about last week and what um, Justin Gaethje didn't do was he shot in immediately, right? He didn't want to stand there and let Edson take shots at him and just try to tough man it out. Um, he took the shot, and it's one of those things I, I, I talked about on the show before. You know, if we allowed knees on the ground, this could have been a, a Barboza finish because he basically shot on uh, Edson, and Edson kind of – he let him kind of be in that stalemate. You know, if he could throw knees there, he could have done a lot of damage. He should have stood right back up, get Kevin back on his feet, and try to finish him there. But, you know, Kevin Lee showed a lot of smarts when he got hurt resorting back to what he was best at his wrestling and kind of negating some times where he was able to recuperate. But to a larger extent, what I want to talk about with Kevin Lee, just real quick, the things I, I saw in this fight that I really liked uh, perfect game plan for Edson Barboza. Kevin Lee was the first one to come forward. He was constantly getting off first. He was throwing heavy shots, whether it was a left hook, right straight, or even high kicks. He was keeping Barboza on his back foot. 
He picked really good times to take shots to get him against the cage and get him down. And, and what you guys were alluding to earlier about like how this was a more dominant performance than Habib, what Kevin Lee has and in, in what he showed in this fight, like dude's shot selection when he's on the on top is choice. That is top tier because the dude, he's not one of these guys that's just going to throw these sloppy hammer fists or throw big hooks. He's constantly... He's looking at where his opponent is, where he's at, and what strike is going to be utilized best. If he's up high and he has a lot of range, he's going to throw a big hammer fist. If he's kind of close to him, he's going to throw short elbows. If he's got a little you know, side room to throw hooks, he throws that. And not only does he constantly throw things, if you're not controlling his hands and his wrists, he's throwing punches at you. But he's also using that room. Basically, when he has room to move his head and arms, he's not only just picking great shots, he's also utilizing those opportunities to advance guard, get into better position, to throw even better strikes. And, and that was my big takeaway here. We have a, a wrestler who just isn't you know, good at getting the fight to the ground. But when he gets on top, he knows how to work his way out of getting stalled out from letting the guy just hold on to him, getting himself up high, and just throwing a nice array of strikes, um, encompassing all the different strikes you can throw from the top position, using hammer fists, straight punches, hooks, and elbows uh, to, to great effect. And the differences, too, in the wrestling, when you look at the Habib fight, Habib kind of took his soul like he just drained his stamina with his top game well Kevin Lee was putting on damage right and that's really kind of where their games change they're both good on top but what Habib does is he just rides you like like a fucking mule and you can't get the dude off you and you think you're doing all right you get back to your knees and he just lets you and Habib just rides you and and, and, and tires you out whereas Kevin Lee is really looking to do damage and and find those opportunities to throw the strikes and, and get you beat up and I think I think that's why Later in the fight, Edson still had something in him. Like, I saw him going into that fifth round, into the fourth round, and he's getting his ass whooped. These are 10, eight rounds that Kevin Lee's dominating on him, and he's taking a lot of damage. But you could see, at least in my eyes, and one of the things I kind of question with Edson is just how his heart's going to be. In the Habib fight, dude took his fucking soul. In those last couple rounds, Edson had, you looked in his eyes, he had nothing left to give, you know? I mean, he has a heart of the warrior. He's not going to give up. But you can see in this fight with Kevin, especially since he got that that kick in the third round, he still believed, he still had some energy to be like, I might be able to get something done, even though he couldn't. Yeah, it seemed like it was almost, uh, Marcus, it seemed almost like uh, the kick was like a, it almost gave him a second win where he's like, oh, I can still, because he was like, he was throwing it, I felt, not that he wasn't setting it up, but I always thought like he was just like, well, fuck it, let's just go for it. And it happened to land, and he's like, it gave him, like he was rejuvenated because before that, and you were talking about the ground and pound, Kevin Lee's ground and pound reminds me of an older style of MMA almost, with like the stuff Tito used to throw on the ground, or like even Matt Hughes, where not that every punch is trying to end the fight, but I don't think they're just working. Like, I think this is supposed to fucking hurt. Like, I'm supposed to do damage with all of these strikes on some level, rather than keep the referee off my back so I can hold position. Oh, yeah. The guy's definitely doing damage. And what I would say, I mean, and those two guys did too, but I would say what Kevin Lee has over is just like he has a wider array of different top strikes. I mean, Tito, it's all elbows with that dude. He loves to sit in your guard and go to elbows. And with Hughes, it was it was more the same, but he would try to, to post, post your head down with one arm and do kind of hooks. But Kevin Lee really ran the gamut with both arms um, and utilizing uh, passing. It's an evolution of it, but yeah, you don't see... And I was thinking the same too, Bob, the same thing too, Bobby. Is like you don't see a lot of wrestlers when they get on top that are just cool, just pounding it out throughout the entire round. I mean, you do have guys that do little pitter patter punches to kind of keep you, to soften you up, try to make you think about something else to pass guard or get in a better position. But you can tell Kevin Lee was was throwing to do damage, right? And he did. He busted up Edson. He he hurt him a lot. 
Um, but and what I would say with that kick, I think it did give Edson a little bit of a, a second wind. I think more mentally than physically because in the in the second half of that third round, the guy still didn't seem like he had a lot of energy to really push the action with Kevin, and that's what allowed Kevin to kind of uh, recuperate. But at the same time, like we're talking about how active Kevin was, like. Dude had a lot of good stamina in this fight. He was throwing hard those. Yeah, first he he rounds. he needed. Uh, I needed to see that because he did kind of he crash out a little bit. Well, in the Ferguson when he crashed, but he also had a staff infection, yeah. so we almost couldn't get a good gauge of it. Mike, I want to talk to you about uh, Edson Barboza for a moment here because I know you didn't see the fight. Possibly you just saw the highlights, but everything. Edson, uh, shout out to Edson Barboza because he's tough as hell because he got his ass whooped. And I was telling Stefan, everything he fucking throws is so goddamn loud. Any kick. Any kick just as a thwack. Um, Mike, I uh, I noticed this at, at the end of the fight. I kind of My he- mind immediately went to this, and it kind of went to er- a lot of MMA fans' minds. Because Luke Thomas was actually talking about it at the end of his show, where he thought, at, in, during his post-fight show, where he thought, where a couple fans brought up to him, and he thought this was a horrible idea. And I do too, but I think we might, might end up there. The UFC booking Edson Barboza, who just, you know, took a two-fight beating versus Justin Gaethje, who just took a two-fight beating, seems like something in 2018 they would 100% fucking do. And I'm uncomfortable just thinking about the thought of that, given how much damage both these guys have taken so far. And you know exactly the type of fight it would be. I mean, what do you think of... I mean, we got both these guys taking a lot of damage their last few fights... You think they would book that? And if so, man, how hard would that be almost to watch? <laughs> well, to answer that question, yeah, I could totally see the UFC booking that because their MO is that they just want an exciting fight. Who really gives a damn? Uh, I mean, but if you, if we had individual promoters in in this sport, in the UFC, your promoter, your manager would not, if you were Edson Barbosa or Justin Gaethje, coming off a two-fight uh, losing streak, you kind of want a fight to get you back on track. A fight that might be a little challenging, but no, for man, sure you probably win. Man, you know it's going to be like, we need you to like headline a show, though. It's going to be a main event. You're going to get a couple extra bucks from Reebok. It's going to be a five-rounder, which both those guys love. It's you know it'll be on F, it'll be on maybe Fox even or something even though they've been off you know what I mean you know you can almost see where this is headed. But but the thing is I, yeah I I can see that definitely but there's something to be said that the reason why they would be doing it this way is that they're paying a lot of money for Edson Barbosa and they're paying a lot of money for Justin Gaethje so let's have him fight let's get a big fight but there's the other side that you could say you're paying a lot of money for these people they're an investment maybe try to build them up get them some wins or have them fight people that they could probably style on a bit and then have them fight Justin Gaethje and Edson Barbosa again. So that way they're both coming off maybe a win or two. That's a, that's a, that's a fair, uh, a fair assessment. Um, I want to talk about this real quickly. We've, we've talked about this enough, quite frankly, breaking it down, but taking Conor McGregor out of the equation, you know, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov defending his belt in November. Who should it be against? Everybody just give me one name answer. Who you think? Mike, you go first. I still think Kevin Lee. Stefan, what do you think? 
Stefan. Okay. Oh, sorry, I had trouble unmuting myself oh. there. Um, it's Conor McGregor. That's the fight. Okay, take Conor uh, out. <laughs> oh, take Conor out. My bad. I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's the fight. It's the fight that it really should be the real fight, even above Conor. But they don't want to touch it. It's Tony Ferguson. If he's gonna be out a while, it's Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I got I got this. I got Tony Ferguson, man. I. Tony Ferguson just said this dude. Tony Ferguson's like this guy won the belt fighting a part-time real estate agent, which isn't fair. Who was ranked number eleven, and I got stripped because the same I got hurt, which is the same thing that happened to Robert Whitaker while interim champion. All that aside, I just think it should be Tony Ferguson. Mark, what do you think? Uh, I do too. I have a. I mean, I, I think yeah, Connor and Tony are kind of top tier. Um, but this fight with Kevin Lee kind of got me a little bit more interested in that fight. I was not as high on Kevin Lee as I was after this performance. I still don't think any wrestler against Habib is going to, you know, farewell for them. So I don't think Kevin Lee is going to be a strong opponent or I get excited because I think he might be able to bring something to Habib, but I'm more interested in it now, but it has to be Tony. Like that's the fight we were supposed to get. That's the fight we've wanted for a while. I wouldn't blame them for not making it just because it's, it's, it seems cursed, right? If that's a thing. Yeah, that shit is snake bitten, man. If there ever was, if a fight was ever snake bitten, it's that one. Um, co-main event was Frankie Edgar Cup Swanson. The fight itself, I'm not sure how much breaking it down it needs, quite frankly, because you could pretty much just say Frankie Edgar fought like Frankie Edgar, and like he won. Frankie Edgar made some comments after the fight how people he said that people didn't think he could win this fight, which I think is a misguided view of what. That. Yeah, exactly. I think what Mike, what we were saying was. This fight's a bad idea whether you win or lose because you're going to stand in front of Cub Swanson for 15 minutes five weeks after you got knocked out. Like, regardless, like, I mean, he got hit in the face. I mean, that was the argument. Nobody was making the you might lose argument, were we? Didn't didn't we all pick Frankie? We did. Yeah, shit, exactly. <laughs> That's just telling me he is punch drunk because that was not the narrative. The narrative was, why are you getting a fight so quickly after getting blasted, like for your own health, it was like it's not that even he would lose. It was just like when Bisping took that fight against Gastelum after getting obliterated. It's just like for your own health. I thought there were like you know doesn't seem like from a like a health perspective, it doesn't seem like a sound decision to make. Yeah, and it wasn't like he just you know didn't do anything for five weeks. Like he went into a training camp. Like you get hit at those too, man. I mean, I yeah, that was that this defeat. I I think Frankie generally handled his career pretty well, but I was and it was nice. The crowd loved him. He's at home, and I understood why he wanted this. But I don't know, man. I mean, I, I know I, I shit on I shit on him every week, but Ali Abdulaziz is his manager. He should have fucking said something. <laughs> I think you have to give Frankie a little credit here. We kind of glossed over his fight, but he he didn't just beat Cub Swanson. He beat him in a different fashion than the first fight. The first fight, he took him down. And just grounded and pounded him out. You know, he got the decision that way. In this fight, he stood up the whole time, which I was a little perplexed at first. Like, you know, you had a path of success before. Did you think, sorry, Mark, did you think Cub was just spending the whole time waiting for a takedown that never came? I mean, I think honestly, Frankie won this fight on better head movement, better foot movement. And kind of just, he kind of got Cub just staring at him. Didn't know what to do. And I mean, the whole key to this fight was him constantly fainting and keeping Cub guessing. And the few times, I think in late in the third, Cub started letting it go. He had a lot of success, but he just never felt comfortable because he couldn't read Frankie at all, right? Uh, throughout the entire fight, he didn't know if he was coming in, if he was fainting a shot, if he'd come in with three right straights. I mean, Frankie's a fast guy. 
And when he can get you double guessing yourself because you don't know what he's going to do next, that's when he's at his best. And in this fight, he didn't, I don't think he, I don't remember him shooting, like giving a full hearted double or single leg shot to Cubs. So I was impressed in that fact that, you know, I think we were all, we all picked Frankie. We weren't going to make the mistake of not picking him against someone he's already beaten, but I was surprised in the manner that he beat him. I thought if they were going to stand, Cub would have a really good shot and he kind of froze him out there. Uh, Cub just couldn't get out of second gear. Which I think was a bad showing for him, but really good for Frankie. So. Yeah, I mean, I may, I, I shouldn't have diminished what Frankie did out there. He had a good performance and all. I just the whole fight, I was sitting there, like if this guy, like, because I remember when Bisping got booked against Gastel. I remember all of us were just like, what the, like, if, like, what are we doing here? And again, with this one, I thought the same way. And it was, I mean, he came out of it. it looks like he was relatively unscathed. And the poor dude, like, I guess his dad died earlier last week or something That's too. Rough. So Frankie yeah. had a really rough week. Um. It was nice to see him again. It was nice. He was at home. He's in Atlantic City. He's in Jersey. There's, you know, it's gonna. They don't. They're not gonna go anywhere else in Jersey. You don't know how often they're gonna be there, especially with New York uh, being right there. Kind of surprised they get any cards, quite frankly. But he got a big win. He got back on track. Cup Swanson. I'm not sure I learned anything in this fight, to be honest. I know Mark. You said he mentioned he fought a totally different way, but I don't know what I came out of this fight like. I don't know what I like. What I came out of it thinking like. How close is Frankie to a title shot, for example? I mean, Steph, do you get anything out of that? I mean, that was kind of the that's the other reason I think this fight was critiqued is it real besides getting back in the win column, what did Frankie Edgar have to gain from this fight? It doesn't do anything for him in the standing because he beat this guy. This guy wasn't above him. It gets him a win and it gets him a paycheck. And so that's kind of it's not a lose lose, not that it was a no win situation, but it was a stay place in place type situation. You know what I mean? So I think that, that was the other issue is we've seen you beat this guy. No one was clamoring for this matchup, but I will say if anything came out of this, uh, I like the joke that uh, they don't know if they want to, he wants to fight him for real if or he just wants to play him at UFC three. But I am excited about Korean zombie calling him out because I'm excited about Korean zombie fighting anybody. And you know what? Uh, if this I'm gets sorry. us there, I'm happy. You know, one other, at least one, one good thing that came out of this for Frankie now that we've uh, he's gotten out of this uh, whole thing five weeks later is it at least positions him if if uh, Max Holloway wins the the fight maybe they can rebook it he's not coming off a loss now it's true he's one of the few people Max Holloway hasn't already beaten because God knows the UFC made him fight every featherweight in the goddamn world before he became champion uh, but worth noting that Frank uh, that uh. UFC is putting together an absolutely bananas card uh, in July. Headlined by Stipe and DC, co-main event, Max Holloway and uh, Ortega. And Brian and or- Brian Ortega. They also threw um, Black Beast, Derek Lewis, yeah. taking on uh, taking on Francis M- uh, Ngannou. Black Beast, by the way, is getting real woke. Because Black Beast is like, man, they want me to promote this pay-per-view. And they ain't giving me any, any cut of the pay-per-view. What kind of bullshit is that? Oh, Which I'm sitting no there points. like... Yeah, I'm like <laughs> Black Beast to make a point there, man. Um, Yo, you also, did you, you know, did you guys see the meme that uh, Black Beast put up when he announced no. the fight? He was what like, he uh, the uh, the unified rules for that particular fight. It was gonna be one minute rounds and ten minutes uh, rest between each round. I dig <laughs> uh, Black Beast with them jokes. Um, they also threw Yancy Medeiros and Mike Perry on there, which whoo. Uh, Gokensaki is going to face Khalil Roundtree. Khalil will stand with him, 
Not smart, but he will. And uh, Uriah Hall's fighting some guy on there. Asun Sao's fighting Rob Font. Both of those guys, stand-up fighters. So they're really, uh, they're really putting it together for this card. But anyway, um, so yeah, the two main fights from this card were the biggest ones to have any takeaways from. David Branch deserves a little bit of credit here for going out there and showing that he's he's a really good middleweight man because Tiago Santos was on a run. Tiago Santos had been knocking fools out left and right. I think he'd won four, four in a row. All four of them knockouts. And he's hitting spinning heel kick knockouts, body kick knockouts, ground and pound knockouts. And and it took two and a half minutes, but David Branch was pretty clearly better than him. Put him down with punches, knocked him out. And, uh, I mean, made three of us look dumb. Mark, you got that one right. I did. Um, it, it was a really impressive fight, and I don't think you take a lot away from Santos either. They, these guys both looked like they were ready to go after it. They were getting in there. They were both sticking in the pocket. David Branch just had a little bit better uh, strategy. He had he played the veteran card a little bit. He faked some shots. He got Tiago against the cage, and again, uh, shot selection. Right, like right when he had Tiago against the cage. He had blocked off his left exit, so he knew the dude was going to circle right. He threw a big overhand right, closed the show. You know, that's just that's just smart fighting right there. Get your dude into a position where you know exactly where he has to go and fuck that place up. And that's what that's what Branch did. And that's a real veteran move, you know, because Tiago looked he looked like a real contender, right? Like his foot movement, the way he was throwing kicks, the way that he would get in the pocket with David and throw punches with him. The dude was he was he was ready to throw down, and uh, he looked really impressive in this fight. But Branch, you know, he just he he played to his style. He got Tiago thinking about uh, takedowns, feigning shots, and when he found that opportunity, he let it loose. You know, big win for David. Yeah, big win. I did not remember that Tiago Santos had a giant uh, Mjolnir tattoo on his chest, a big ass Thor hammer. So nice. That was that was. I felt good about picking him. I'm like, all right. And if I knew nothing else, I would have picked. You know, just looking at these two people, I would pick the guy with the big ass Thor hammer on his chest. Um. Aljamain Sterling got a win he needed to get against a young prospect named Brett Johns. Um, Aljamain looked okay. He was pretty clearly better than Johns everywhere. Didn't really do anything to wow us. Um, he just pretty much had to get a win, it looked like, after getting smoked by Marlon Moraes. I think that's the story of his career, Bobby. I think he looks okay. I don't know what he's good at. He has okay striking. He has okay takedowns. He has okay cardio. I, but like, I mean, I used to give him hell. What did I say is uh, all his hype exists only on the Internet. But even that's gone now. Um, good for him to get a win. But I'm still I'm, I'm still not sure what I'm seeing with that guy. Like, yeah, for a guy who's he's a very good jujitsu fighter. But I need to see him putting some of these guys away, man. He should. I was I need I need to see some finishes when you're at this part of your career. If I'm an like you better finish guys now for me to think we're going to get to like a title fight. You know, Dan Hooker. um, which uh, Luke, I knew he was going to put on a good show because uh, Luke Thomas has been singing the praises of Dan Hooker for a while now about how he's tall and he fights tall. And he fucking did. And he need Jim Miller's fucking head off almost. Um, looks like Jim didn't suffer any like structural damage there. Just, you know, kind of sad seeing him getting uh, beat up in front of all of his friends there. Uh, I don't really know what happened in that fight where the guy was out or wasn't out, but Big John McCarthy says it was the right decision. We're talking about the ricky simon fight so yeah did you see the fight was the other dude potentially gonna win a decision or anything? no i i honestly i was i was this was when i was you know glimpse into bobby's life he was he was i was cleaning my fish tank and my dad was watching this with me and he's just like when the guy was just flailing on the ground i guess he went out 
and yeah, it was confusing. The, it was the, confusing because they called it a TKO, but really it was a submission. Yeah, the call the call on Wikipedia at least is TKO technical submission. So usually a technical submission usually means it's a choke and the dude passes out. So he didn't tap, but dude's literally unconscious. Um, or sometimes it could mean yeah. In, like, in this a case. Break. In this case, it seemed like they were. They, it seemed like everybody who knows anything said that they could have handled it better, but the right call was made because you can't be saved by the bell in mm, the last in New Jersey in, in, in Unified Rules when he guess he was out allegedly. Yeah. Um, Sire Baharazada kicked uh, Luan Chigas right in the fucking liver with a front kick, like toes to the fucking liver, and that dude just like he looked like he wanted to die. He just keeled over, and then on the way down, he gave him an uppercut, and I was like, God, when. When Sire is like is healthy and he can strike with a guy, the the fight ends entertaining, and uh, I think it's time to say happy trails to Pat Cummins who got taken down twelve times, which is a record in a three round UFC light heavyweight fight, and I'm saying Pat Cummins got take got taken down. I mean Steph, if this guy's getting taken down, what else? Why, why else is he here? Bellator uh, could use a light heavyweight. Fair enough. Uh. Yeah, so this card happened. Uh, the UFC's next card was is Nunes versus Pennington, May twelfth. Um, I saw some commercials. Um, it's a pay per view card, but it's in Brazil. Considering, I mean, I'm not sure I should feel I should have to pay money for Mackenzie Dern. But looking at the card, we got Nunes and Pennington, uh, Jacare and Kelvin Gastelum, Mackenzie Dern, Amanda Cooper, John Lineker, and Brian Kelleher, and then Vitor Belfort, Leota Machida. It's all right. That's what I would go with. It's all right. I'm very interested in the main event. I think that's why it's what carrying me so far. I mean, at least for me. What do you think, Mark? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's some decent fights here, but nothing really. I mean, yeah, the the main event and co are pretty strong, and Belford Leoto's kind of interesting. It has some of that throwback, but yeah, Mackenzie Dern. We kind of we saw her first fight, so I think the the shine's a little worn off. Like we know that there's definitely a ceiling with this girl. She definitely needs to, uh, you know, sharpen up some of her, uh, her skills. And, and Amanda Cooper is kind of a good girl to do that again. I think she's kind of more of a striker. So I think Mackenzie will be able to get her down and, and it's always fun to see Linda Kerr. So yeah, but I'm with you, you know, like this isn't, we've seen some good pay-per-view cards. We recently had one that crumpled to shit. I mean, we're but, looking at what's coming up, man. That one in Chicago. Yeah. Is, that, uh... that one sounds awesome. So when you get these, that it's kind of like, I'm really, you're putting a lot of weight on the on the co and the main. Uh, it's not near as exciting where it's like, fuck this card from top to bottoms, aces. Those are the pay-per-view. That's what a pay-per-view should be, right? It should be top to bottom. I'm fucking excited, especially when we're going to have, like, what, three weeks of potential buildup here? Like, you have some promotion time to get this shit jazzed up. And I mean, I, I think also you and me, I mean, we've all waved the flag of what how they should be promoting this fight, and... Oh yeah, I mean, there's, there's they're they're not going to. They could. Yeah. It's almost like we're I, this. Is, I'm asking for them to be like to exploit Probably, this. We need to tweet them. Tweet at UFC at UFC. Get woke. You have two lesbian, you know, openly gay fighters in your main event. Promote that shit the way you should be. I just I don't know, man. It's like I, mean, I want them. I, I want them to. I want them to exploit their like their respective relationships. That's where I'm at. Like I'm like, do it, exploit it for the love of God, exploit it. It's kind of <laughs> shitty, right? You don't want them to be like they shouldn't just be marketed because of their sexuality or anything. But it's an interesting aspect of the fight that I think people would get more excited or more interested in this fight if they knew more about these girls as personal. I think in general, if you 
can get people to know more about a fighter in their personal life and their personal struggle, you will be more attached to that fighter. You'll be more interested in seeing them fight and seeing how their career goes. And I think touching on that, like, yeah, not only are these two openly gay, high-level athletes fighting, but they're also dating other UFC fighters. And I have to imagine that makes for an interesting reality TV show or something. Fuck tough. I mean, it's all always like, guys, nobody I cares. Gu- I guarantee you that if these two lesbians that were fighting for the belt were, I think they're great people, but if they were m- more... N- What's the word I'm looking for? Classically attractive. They might be getting more of a push. I mean, I mean shit. That's a, that's the only card, that's the only way they know how. That's the only way they know how to. Let, right. Let's, let's remember that on this main card, Mackenzie Dern of the one and what four and oh MMA record is on the main card. What other reason does she have to be there? Yeah, I mean, you're talking to a group of people here, Mike, who uh, went to a main event of Paige Van Zandt versus Michelle Waterson. Not to diminish either of the ladies' skills, but we know why the UFC puts that fight as the main event. And it's lazy, though, right? Because if you're just going to yeah, be marketing... That's the, only way they know what, that's the only way they know how to promote these girls. But remember that commercial? Remember, remember the tough... Uh, they did that tough season where all the, the ads were all the girls in dresses throwing punches. I'm like, the fuck is this commercial? And but the thing is like that that's not that's like the laziest marketing too because they're not really marketing anything they're just attractive ladies so it's like oh, let's just put their picture up which is what we're gonna do anyway so nothing's changing you're just changing that you hope that there was more dudes that are like oh this lady's attractive I what is this poster I'm looking at do I need to buy a beer or I'm watching a UFC fight okay whatever but yeah I mean there's obvious marketing avenues that they could go they, in not in they, this fight they, but in they could have gotten glad behind this shit. I remember when uh when there was the first ladies fight uh, which was Ronda and um, Carmouche and they I mean obviously there was a lot of hype in general it was the first women's fight and there was more media I do remember Liz Carmouche getting some pub though like yeah, as being the being first openly, yeah being openly gained main eventing a UFC card which nobody to we at least nobody out has ever main evented a UFC card before and I remember that was getting some attention and it wasn't like I felt the UFC handled that well enough. Like she would, she went on like Larry King or Larry King has a show at the time still with uh, Dana White, and they were talking about that and like they were, you know, it's I don't know, I don't know what's going it, it on. Seems just, like easy publicity. They're just like being dumb to right. It'd be so easy just to throw them on some talk shows and and just be the talking board. Like, isn't that the whole point of this big media company buying them that we're gonna put them on talk shows? What was like? I mean, Conan just saying part of the UFC. Get them on Conan and have Conan be like. Well, it says here you're openly gay champion. That hasn't been a thing before. That's kind of an interesting factoid. Oh, and what's this? Your wife also fights in the UFC. That's also an Dude, put them both on there. Put a chair between, put Conan between the two girls. Have Conan do his thing where he's scared of the, the fighter. Because Con- I've seen Conan do the scared of the fighter, scared of the wrestler thing with like Ronda, Rampage, fucking anybody, every pro wrestler in the world. Like Conan knows how to play this. Well, God, we should be in charge of this shit. This is very clear. Yeah, I mean, uh, this stuff writes itself. Come yeah, on. Yeah, come on, man. I mean, just don't have Joe Rogan yell at me in a commercial. That's all I'm asking for you at this point. Um, what about Jimmy Smith? Can Jimmy Smith yell at you in a commercial yet? Dude, Jimmy Smith is wearing a suit. And I think he's going out of his way to not look like Joe Rogan. <laughs> um, some of the news this week before, besides that card, uh, looks like, okay, I'm just reading Junior Dos Santos can fight again. I don't know what was wrong with him. That's good to know. Um, Tainted supplements. He's part of that whole... That was one of those? Okay, fair enough. Um, Oh, Joe Rogan interviewed uh, Kevin Lee today on his podcast. That might actually be worth a listen. That would be... uh, 
That would that that I would watch that. Oh, I like Tyra Woodley. You guys, I'm 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 myself. I'm having some backlash against the Joe Rogan podcast, mostly due to his listening base. Like, oh yeah, he himself isn't as bad as his like weird far right conspiracy believing schmucks that listen to his show, for like, lack of a better term. I mean, he's liberal on some things. He's conservative on other things. Like. So it's it's weird that the far right would also take him on because he's he's pretty liberal about some stuff, but uh, it's just a lot of his base. They're the type of thing where they get all their news solely from Joe Rogan, and so therefore they only have this one very specific perspective. But maybe that's just a lot of people nowadays only get their stories from one source. Therefore, they are incredibly slanted. But yeah, that the Joe Rogan fan base. I don't like it. I don't yeah, like it. What what I've always liked about Joe is that he's always seemed like a very open-minded type of person, which leads him to having conversations that maybe other people would be not interested in having, you know, like talking about controversial issues. But I mean, for me, I don't, I don't listen to the Joe Rogan. Ex- it's a Joe Rogan experience, right? Isn't that? What yeah. I, I, I haven't listened in a while either. Quite frankly, I didn't know he made a side MMA podcast, which that I might be able to listen to. I mean, it's, yeah. I'm, the side MMA podcast is pretty good. Yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking I might have to jump on that. Because, I mean, for me, it's like I like Joe. Because, I think he's a funny guy, but like I like his analysis on MMA. And every now and then, maybe I'm interested to see his take on this, that, and the other events that are going on. But, yeah, unlike um, maybe the people that are listening to it or like Steph's alluding to, I don't go to Joe to like form my opinion or be like, mm, how does what does Joe Rogan think about this? So I can, you know, form my own opinion on the on the factoids that he might be throwing out. Not really. That's not really the guy I go to for that kind of stuff. I like to take in the information on myself and then assess my own, you know, internal monologue on how I feel about this, that or the other. But yeah, I think a lot of people, it's just easy, right? It's just easy to listen to a podcast and be someone's like, I hate Trump or I like Trump and just be like, yeah, I agree with this person. I agree with this person because he said other things I like. He's funny. I am endeared to the personality. And now I'm just taking on his mantra. And I think a lot of people kind of get sucked into that type of thing. And I think Joe Rogan is a very good person to fall to that trap, right? He's funny. He's loud. He has strong viewpoints that he usually backs well, up. Well, this is the thing, man. I, I don't even – this is the thing about Joe. I think Joe just puts people on his podcast that he finds interesting regardless of whether he agrees with them or not. Yeah. But because yeah. these people – because he tries to have a conversation with these people, the I'm going to go with uh, the more impressionable people who listen just assume, oh – this is what he thinks and I want to be like him and I want to be, you know, uh, I want to be a 47-year-old guy who's yoked and does kettlebell things and does jujitsu and does comedy and, you know, hunts and all. He wants to be a badass like, you know, because Joe's kind of a, the image he portrays is kind of cool, quite frankly, his yeah, entire kind of life. So male, but yeah. open-minded. Yeah, no, I can see how, yeah, because I think it's just like you said, Bobby, he brings people along to get an interesting perspective and I think he kind of He'll put feet to the fire, right? He'll kind of ask the hard questions on them and be like, this is kind of a weird stance to take on. But he doesn't really – he's not the type of person to just shit on you, right? Like he's not going to bring somebody on, get their opinion, and be like, you're a fucking idiot. Like I don't agree with anything you said. Like he'll give them their time. He'll give his viewpoints. And he kind of leaves it to the fans to decide. Maybe some of these fans are just thinking like, oh, this – dude loves NRA people or whatever. I don't even know what Joe Rogan gets into. It's like he has the most random people in the world. Like, oh, this person's a flat earther. Oh, this person, oh, you know, flat this this, per- this person believes in this. He brings on Alex Jones. He brings on, look, Eddie Bravo's an excellent jujitsu player. He's a fucking idiot, though. Like, I mean, that, let's be honest. Alex Jones podcast was just like the biggest shit store ever. It was amazing. It's just, yeah, but anyway. Like, we're When I listen to Alex Jones and Joe Rogan, like, 
there's some similar similarities there, right? Like they're both pushing their their fucking products. Like you gotta get the extreme coffee, man. Like I'm taking these vitamins, and then Alex Jones is the same shit. Like this is a brain pill. All you people out there need to get out the. And it's like, oh, there's a lot. And but you know what? They're like, I listen to other like video game podcasts, and a lot of people replicate the Alex Jones kind of mantra of yelling for excitement and you know enthusiasm because like, how they and they're put they're putting on a, they're playing characters that's what this yeah. all is and then, and then like just... the, the 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 cherry on top is like i'm also going to be pushing some fucking products on you right like exactly my, man you gotta, gotta you gotta get, gotta get the, too you gotta gotta get paid on this shit. dude there's no money in podcasts come on now that's what i mean <laughs> if we were smart we'd be like fucking these brain pills man i tell you bobby i wake up in the morning and i'm fucking 80 chicks and i'm running 50 miles and i'm solving math equations and shit i mean were you not a part of the start of this podcast we're trying to get that trader joe dollars here man. <laughs> no this is what we do we're gonna have mike slinging the you know the mike sup the, the mike supplement which is the 11 p.m mayonnaise sandwich <laughs> oh god i'm out <laughs> i'm out see you later Oh, that was a joke that was funny literally for four people. Sorry, guys. Um, all right, let's do... Um, there wasn't a lot of big news this week before some of those fight bookings we mentioned. Um, I am actively excited for that Chicago card. I am I'm even I'm more excited for that July card because DC and, Cor- and uh, Stipe, that does something for me, man. I'm excited. I'm I excited. I saw... Guy, but what's the point of being excited in anything MMA-related until they're in the cage? It can always fall apart. <sighs> Thank it you, Stefan being Stefan being the buzzkill. Hey man, DC can't miss weight in theory. He doesn't he doesn't need a towel. Yeah, but he's not you allowed know? to lean on that rack no more. Oh, yeah, but he's was... up to heavyweight, man. Yeah, I mean it's, I think that's gonna be a good time. And I like a max and those are basically the two fights I'm most excited for in MMA are the that heavyweight fight and then the co main of uh Ortega and Holloway. I am fucking thrilled. I'm uh, more excited for CM Punk versus To Be Announced. That oh, that could be they, they announced it, man. It is. Oh, is it official? Did we finally? It's Mike Jackson. Made Mike Mike Jackson said he's gonna do pro wrestling fans a favor and he's gonna send CM Punk back to wrestling, which I think people would actually be happy. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> would be happy. Ron is there now. <laughs> Wrestling's a great place to be at, apparently. Dude, apparently, I like that, man. The, uh, WWF's got Ronda and Brock. UFC's two of the three biggest pay-per-view draws UFC's ever had are in the WWF right now. It's amazing. Um, let's do uh, Memoirs of a Fight Fan, though, because Mike came up with something, and I want to get mine in because I think mine's gonna be, mine is agreed upon by all of us. Mike, uh, you said we're going to pick this week, uh, was it, your fav- our favorite fighter for non-fighting reasons. Yes, our favorite fighter for non-fighting reasons, and I also stipulated, since all of us love the Diaz brothers, we can't pick the Diaz brothers. Yeah, and I'm also meaning this to be like, not just now. For example, I don't like Quentin Jackson for fighting reasons anymore. <laughs> I barely like him for other reasons. <laughs> it's for past. Um, mine is very clearly Jake Shields. Um, I love Jake Shields. We all love Jake Shields, and I think I've we've said it a million times. But let me just tell you why. Jake Shields pulls girls better than. Any pro fighter, I think, in the game, man. Like things you know about Would you Jake like Shields. To be more specific about that. Asian girls. Asian girls love Jake Shields. Now we went to. Uh, let me paint the picture. UFC 126, February 2011. My birthday, actually. Fight cards over. We're going to Excess, the nightclub at uh, Encore. Win one of those two. Someone in there. We're all dressed nice. We see Jake Shields in there. Jake Shields wearing his Affliction gear because Jake Shields doesn't need to dress up. He doesn't need to. Behind Jake Shields. 
a gracie train of asian girls one hotter than another all right like seven deep that's jake shields later on that evening i hear this with my own two ears jake shields asked two of them you two should come up to my room and they both like they both giggle and say okay all right my man negotiated a threesome just like you guys should come back to my room man that's that as not the, uh... another oh wait wait there's more jake shields i'm I'm, I'm taking the bar exam. I meet, I see some guy wearing an El Nino training center shirt, which um, not that uncommon in the Bay Area. That's Gilbert Melendez's uh, gym. But I saw, I go to make friends with him. I'm like, hey, man, you train at Gilbert's gym, yada, yada, yada. And he mentions Jake Shields. He brings up Jake Shields always being there. I'm like, oh, you always see Jake there? He's like, yeah. And without me prompting it, he says, every time I see you, Jake, he's being dropped off by a different hot Asian girl. This is it reminds me of like Parks and Rec, Steph, when they were when a uh, dude's talking about Brandana, what's his life, where he's just naming girls and thrusting. That's Jake Shields' life. So yeah, I got Jake Shields. Do we know if uh, Jake Shields has uh, settled down a bit in his older age, or is he still wrecking shop? I don't. I mean, I, a lot I hope of not. Numbers say it's it gets ugly. Um, guys who live that lifestyle, it doesn't. T- it, it it tends to go off a cliff when it does. Because well, um, I'm gonna play this card um, as the uh, Asian member of this podcast. I honestly got. I kind of believe there's some like reverse racism going on because I've run Jake Shields photo by a lot of female friends. No one really particularly finds him to be that attractive of a guy, and he's not that famous. So. I kind of believe yeah. the girl he pulls is the all white people look alike uh, kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's the it's the club girl also. I've noticed that's it's the uh, club girl. It's the club I'm girl. Guessing Jake Shields has a lot of drugs. If if I had to bank on what's 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 getting him so much action, I think Jake Shields got a lot of drugs. I just, I mean, I remember that's there was like that Carrie, one. That's why Carrie didn't want to date Gilbert. I was waiting for you to bring that up, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what was that? The they did an interview with Gilbert where he talks about meeting his wife. And, like, he says his wife didn't want to talk to him. And Gilbert says, man, I had a bad reputation from hanging out with Shields. And then he talks about, what was it, Steph, the first time he met Jake Shields? What did Jake Shields ask him? The first time he met Jake Shields, he's like, Jake Shields comes up to me. And I think he knows that I wrestle. You know, I'm joining the team. So I think he wants to talk to me about that. First thing Jake Shields says to me is, hey, man, I hear you like to party. (laughs) Vegan farm boy. Jake Shields, man. Just, Yeah. So I love Jake Shields, and I say that because his fighting, while I can appreciate his ground game on some level, Jake Shields' fights are boring as shit. Like, boring as shit. And we always joke, man, if like they could somehow get behind Jake Shields' life, he'd be way more popular. Um, he was one of the only bullies in Bully Beatdown that didn't finish his bully in the stand-up. Yep, that and happened. Dominated him on the ground. Just submitted the fuck out of that kid. But he beat him up for five rounds. That kid did not go down. I was like, yeah, that's and, and back to who we talked about earlier real quickly. I also, this is weird, but after we saw Raquel Pennington in that strip club right after uh, Tough, like it was like three months after Tough, I was like, right on. And since that time, I just had it in my head like, okay, I like Raquel Pennington for really that reason. I don't know why. Not like, you know, we interacted. I just looked at her and I'm like, she seems pretty cool. That's it. Those are the ones I got. Um, Mike, this was your idea. I had to jump on Jake Shields and not let you go first, but go ahead. You, uh, you, you did well with the first act. That was magical, and I don't think any of us could have uh, you know, described Jake Shields better. 
for me, same vein. Well, not exactly the same vein because Jake Shields has actually won a championship. Um, you know, he beat the legend Dan Henderson. Uh, the guy I'm going to say his career sadly flamed out, I think, a little earlier than any of us really wanted to. Uh, it was Jonathan Brookings, uh, the the tough winner from the GSP. Um, wow, I'm blank. Uh, Josh Koscheck uh, season. Uh, I think all of us still watched Tough at that time, and Jonathan Brookings. He was a different kind of guy. Uh, he was a very good fighter, but more importantly than that, he was just a delight of a character on the show. Um, he was a bit of a hippie. He seemed to have very deep thoughts. He really didn't seem to care uh, how he came across on the show because he came across not exactly spacey, but like a man who wasn't, how can I put this, encumbered by, uh, you know, worldly and earthly matters. Um, he talked about on the show about the universe and how we're all just like little grains of sand uh, in this big kaleidoscope, some real hippie shit. Uh, and I remember leaving that season thinking, man, I really want this guy to do very well. And I always made it a point to watch his fights. Uh, you know, he beat uh, Michael Johnson for um, for the tough title. But then after that, everything just kind of fell apart for him. So um, I know every so often when we think about characters in um, MMA and the UFC, I always think at times, I really wish we had more Jonathan Brookings. Did you th you remember how like it was pretty clear they didn't think he was gonna make it as far as he did because they had like no footage about him, and then it got like he started winning fights in the house. Then it was like episode seven. They're like, you should probably talk to this kid. So like they like he was out sitting by a tree. Like it was like when we were like halfway through the season, they realized they should probably you know, oh shit, this guy's you know winning fights. You know what I mean? They gotta pay attention to him. I've forgotten about Brookings. I uh, he had that sweet lateral drop. I remember that. Um, Steph, what do you got? Um, my pick is a, it's a little unfair because I guess, you know, fighting does go into some of it. Um, and I can't remember what the question was, but I know Mark gave him as an answer in a previous edition of this. Um, but for me, it's Genki Sudo. Um, a lot of that is because, frankly, I didn't see a lot of his fighting. Like, I saw highlights of his fighting, right? I saw high, his, like, his flashy arm bars. I mostly saw his entrances, you know? Um, he was in a lot of the earlier days where like a pride and everything where I just didn't have access to it. Um, but I always liked him from that. And then, but why I love him is all his world order stuff. You know, the dudes got a legit like popping dance crew and, uh, having had a background, like as a dancer myself, like, I love that. I, the entrance, like in intricacies, you know, what I'm, in you guys know what word I'm intricate. I think you got you got it. Intricacies. You had yeah, it. <laughs> of like the movement is very spectacular to me. You know, like I know to the untrained dance eye, like a lot of people think it's cool, but you know, being very familiar with like the sets they do and the motions they do, there's a lot of control and technique required in what they do, and it, it's great. I like the music of it. I think it's fun. Um, just the philanthropy work he does. You know, like. The dude's written books and everything you know he's he's all been about the we are one is yeah the fighting is cool yeah he was entertaining and that you know that's why i like him but why i love genki sudo is everything else he is um you know he's just an artist and a creator in so many ways and i just think he's functionally a really cool human being um i know that's such a simple thing to say but 
You know, it's one of those things, you know, you come across these famous personalities in various facets and sure you like them for whatever their medium is, but there's always a handful that like, if I just met you as a person outside of the context of your profession, would I like you as a person? And Genki Sudo has always seemed like someone I would really look up to regardless of what he did. So for that reason, you know, I just think he's a cool person. So um, would love to meet him someday. Would love to catch his crew performing uh, like a world order concert or something. It'd be great. I'd be blessed to see that stuff. Um, yeah. Just awesome dude all around. I'm realizing, by the way, I totally skipped the Bellator segment of the show, which we'll be coming back to after this, which probably speaks to exactly where we are with this fucking company. Marcus, uh, what do you got, brother? Yeah, it was kind of a tough one. I was I was trying to think of stuff and I was like, fuck, I'm going to I'm going to pull a mic here. I'm going to have some kind of correlation that doesn't really work out. I'm not going to follow the rules because everyone I was thinking of was like, OK, I like this aspect of this guy's personality, but like I kind of also like the way he fights too like it's probably because my first thought was uh don fry and of course i like don fry's fights because he was just you know a hard-nosed boxer wrestler type before there was really you know mixed martial arts really came to fruition and stuff like that um but obviously i think if you know of don fry at this point in mma it's probably because you've heard him either do commentary or just talk shit and he's just a funny guy, you know, and I don't agree with a lot of because I, I remember the other day I was get, I was like bored and I was like, Don Fry's probably on Twitter, right? Like, what's Don Fry getting up to? And it's all like this supporting Trump shit, which makes that's, total sense. You know, the dude's surprising. Yeah, dude's a fucking cowboy Republican. Of course, he's going to love this orange freakazoid that says all the weird shit. But I still even though I don't agree with his politics and probably a lot of other shit like Don Fry's just a funny guy. And I, I did have the pleasure of meeting him once. Um, I had a shittier beard than I had now, and I was like, Don Fry, what do you think of this mustache? Will I ever grow it as thick and as full of yours? And he said, yeah, no no luck there, boy. So uh, I liked him. But what I was going to say, my real choice, not to get you know uh, some red ink on my uh, paper here, uh, I was going to say Court McGee, right? Like, this is a guy that... Oh, shit, man. I'm not a huge fan uh, of, his, of his fights, necessarily. I don't think he's a world beater. I don't. He's not a guy I seek out to watch his fights, but someone that we ran into multiple times and every time we've met him like we have with a lot of mma fighters right extremely cordial extremely uh friendly and open about talking about whatever and i think a lot of times he tells us about how he got this nice watch if you go to this website and use this promo code you get 20 percent off and bullshit like that but as, as i mean and i think that's the story that we've always said about all the mma fighters really like when we talk to these guys they're extremely open and friendly, but Court McGee is a guy that we randomly just kept running into over and over again. And every time we ran into him, he was always a, a nice, sweet guy. And, uh, you know, while I'm not like the biggest fan of his and his fights, and I haven't seen all of his fights or seek them out, um, he's just a cool guy, you know, and I liked him. Man, um, I'm not sure. I remember it was already a joke among us how often we saw Court McGee. And then, Stefan, do you remember we were we were in that, Seat that uh, like, we were in Pike Place Market in Seattle? Yeah, we, all, we made, we, we made a joke. Card. Anytime we went to go to go see a card anywhere that's not in our backyard, we're like, oh, I wonder when we'll run into Court McGee. And sure enough, it's like it's like the dean and community. As soon as you make mention of him, there he is turning the corner. You're like, he needs yeah, to be in the room. I remember because you and we were like, we were in this shop where they were they had like vintage campaign posters. Like I'm buying a Robert Kennedy poster and like uh like a Time magazine from 1979 cover. And I, I look around my shoulder and there's Court McGee. And I'm like, Stefan, look. And like you're like what the hell <laughs> he is there again man Court McGee 
I think we'd just be good friends with Court McGee, is what I've taken out of all these interactions. So that was that was a nice pull, Mark. I totally forgot about him. Thank you. Um, I felt bad because we dra- we had a really nice, fruitful Memoirs of a Fight fan section because I thought we were done talking fights. Uh, we got to talk about Bellator. Um, Bellator's ratings are in freefall. There's no other way of describing it. I, I'm going to have to ask you guys to speak to some of this because some people are saying when they switched to Paramount Network, it that, became less available. That, but That sounds like bullshit because yeah yeah it's the same network it's spike is just going by a different name yeah it wasn't a new channel that's the thing i didn't think people i know that stuff on you lost spike like two years ago or something from your package but that was way before this happening so i know some people were saying they no longer get bellator i i don't buy that at all i don't buy it because i just they're not putting on cards anybody gives the slightest fuck about um there was this whole story this week where like Ben Askren and Rory McDonald are going back and forth online. And I've kind of had it with Ben Askren because like I don't need to hear from him if he's retired. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, but like him and Rory were going back and forth, and Rory said, Scott Coker said he'll sign you. And then like I guess Ariel looked into it and Bellator is really not all that interested in signing Ben Askren against Rory. And I'm not saying that gets uh, puts any eyes on it, but if you book Ben Askren versus Rory McDonald. I, for damn sure, we'd be sitting here talking about that for at least 15 minutes. You know what I mean? I don't even either. I don't think they even get hardcore MMA fans at this point. I, I agree. You know, I've kind of brought this point up for a while is, uh, you know, how many how many conversations have I had with you guys that, hell, we are hardcore fans. We go way back. We do a podcast on MMA. But if I'm being honest, my interest in the sport has just waned across the board. And if UFC is losing my attention, what is the chance that the number two promotion has of getting it, you know, is if UFC is if if I have had more than my fill of MMA from the UFC, what are the what's the likelihood I'm going to seek out the lesser promotion? That's what they are. You know, we've had an oversaturation of MMA. We've had a lack of stars. So when there's, you know, there's sometimes we, we talk about when there's a break from the UFC, when they go for a two, three week lull, we're like, oh, it's kind of nice. Right. And what does Bellator never do? They never fill that lull. Right. They never. Bellator never puts their star-studded card when the UFC decides to go vacant for a little while. They put their cards on right whenever some other UFC card is coming out. And it's like, I definitely don't have the bandwidth to watch this tape delay on Friday when I know I'm going to watch these fights on Saturday. So that's really just what it is to me is it's just the appetite for MMA has gone down. I think MMA is proving to be a niche sport. So how much room is there for the B promotion in this regard? It's really just Highlander rules to me. There can be only one. And there's, well, there's I too don't, much of that one. And right they, and, Marcus, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, like, I don't think any of us are surprised at this, right? I mean, I think for a long time we've been talking about, like, how long until the wheels fall off of this thing. Because there's a myriad of reasons why this organization could not do well. And yet the caveat had always been... Well, they're booking these older fighters, but the ratings are really good, right? And the ratings seem to be the thing that always kept it afloat. But every week we talk about these fights aren't getting promoted. We, we, as Stefan said, as fans who follow the sport, have a hard time even realizing, like, oh, oh, shit, Fedor is fighting this weekend? Like, I didn't know that. Like, I don't hear about it in the landscape and the grander scheme. Every time we fucking talk about how it's tape delayed Every time we talk about how they're not moving the the new, uh, you know, their upperclassmen, the people that they're trying to build up, they're not giving them the spotlight. The spotlights continue to be on the older generation of fighters. So there's all these caveats we've had on, like, why this 
organization could not be successful. And maybe now it's all coming to fruition. And I mean, I don't know if the move from Spike to Paramount, people lost their packages because like you mentioned, Bob, you know, me and Steph, when we were living together, we lost Spike. It was just taken off our little like package we had. And maybe something simpler happened. Maybe something similar happened when they moved to Paramount. I don't know. But there's any number of things you can point at to be like, yeah, this isn't why they're successful. They're they're banking on old stars too much. Their events are time delayed. They're not promoting the I mean, you can just go on and on with the reasons. I think it's just like for a long time, it just seemed to be like it's working. Like they have all these problems, but it's working. Spike and Paramount must be happy. It's, with al- it. it's also exactly what are they? What is the expectation of success here? Like we all come. Everybody talks about Fox Sports One, and I mean, they, Rock Sports One has miserable ratings, and they intentionally drag out UFC cards because of the UFC being the only thing that draws anything. So they're pretty much just happy with whatever the fuck they get on that network. Do you think like Spike and maybe Paramount, like they're like whatever, man? Like whatever happens, happens. We get four hundred thousand people to watch. Now it's way more people than watch, you know. I don't know what's on Paramount now. Stefan, movies. You got to look up and <laughs> Stefan, you, you got to get ready for your segment. I'm coming to you in a second, but what are they airing instead of Bellator? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to look that up. I'm going to be honest right now, but all I can tell you <laughs> is the parameters is it'll have come out minimum 7 years ago. It'll average a 2-star rating and it'll definitely be an action movie. So, no, you know is, what? I'm going to go with do. Predators, plural, that remake no, 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 with no, no. Adrian Brody. Don't. That's my guess. Okay, okay, that's your guess. You guess Predators. Now the game is, Steph, next week you find out what it is. Me, Bobby, and Mike tried to guess what movie or television show. Cops, oh, okay, obviously, so I was, I was going to go research what it no, was. No, 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 so don't I'm research. Not, don't I, research. I this is going to be fun. This is a game. And um, I think we want to talk about Fader, uh, Frank Mir real quick. Yeah, do you give a shit? Well, I guess uh, before we go, I guess for reference, the last two cards were preempted by the Expendables 2 and the Longest Yard remake. So that's your pool to think that range of movie. Oh, I got one in my head. I'm I, ready. I think uh, I got a good one. Yeah, I think I have a good idea. Okay, everybody be honorable about this. Nobody look it up. All right? Scout's honor. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Fedor and Mir. You yeah, to, I don't give a shit. I, I, I don't give a shit. Is There's a, a line. A minus 145 <laughs> favorite, and Fedor is a plus 125 underdog. Essentially a coin Close. flip, and that's just Vegas saying, man, both these guys are old. I mean, like, look, I like both these guys. I actually like Frank Mir. I think Frank Mir, quite frankly, doesn't probably get as much respect for the career he's had. Um, he said some badass shit the other day that he hopes Fedor doesn't tap out because it makes for a better highlight. Like, as the only man, I think, who's broken two fucking arms in the UFC, that was some gangster shit. Um, Frank's old. Frank's gone full dad bod. I enjoyed his last run in the UFC before they caught him of him just being showing up heavy breathing, knocking fools out. But I think he's going to take Fedor's arm home with him. That's what I think is going to happen. But I don't, I could give a shit or whatever. Who, who's, who, what's the, what's the bracket? Who are they fighting? Does the winner fight King Mo? The King Mo win? I don't or the Brian know. Bader King win? Mo, King Mo, I don't think has fought yet. This is, is that what's happening? Heavyweight side. I think the winner of this fights. Uh... Well, they're all heavyweights. <laughs> no, but no, but there's the heavyweight side, and then then there's the other there's side where King Mo fights Ryan Bader, fights <laughs> Chael Sonnen. Like it's staggered that way, where like the not heavyweights are on one bracket. I think it's. There um... we go. There we go. So the winner of this fight faced Chael. Oh, never mind. Is what... I'm very and wrong. The... 
And then Ryan Bader, King Mo winner, is going to face Matt Mitrione. No, that's the tough side. Got right. The winner. This, what the winner of that fight's winning this whole thing, man. Yeah, pretty much. Um, all I'll say about this fight is it could have been real interesting a decade ago, right? Like this fight. It, it and Bobby, like if if we get the outcome that you're predicting, I would be very pleased. I would be pleased if this fight went to the mat because I feel like this is one of those things where it's going to be like Mitrione and Fedor. Him and Frank are going to throw probably combine maybe 20 punches, 10 each, and one of them's going unconscious, and that's going to be the end of the fight because I think they're too old to take any power shots from the other. I would love if this fight went to the ground. That would be interesting. Fedor on top or Mir on top going for submissions and grappling and not punching each other where the fight might go longer than, you know, a couple minutes. I'd be, you know, I could be I could be so wrong here because it could become like the most boring, stalled, clinch-up fight. But if this fight goes more than like a minute, I'm kind of excited to see where that that prospect goes. See, I think if it doesn't end in a minute, it's just going to be like yeah, just really tired. That's dudes. my fear. It's like they could just be clinching. Yeah, it could just, be everybody's going to be Mir kind of scenario. I mean, yeah, this is happening. Mike, do you want to say Dylan Dennis is fighting so we can at least say we mentioned Dylan Dennis? Dylan Dennis, Conor McGregor's boy, and uh, basically a brown Conor. Um, He's brown? Isn't he? Pretty brown. I I, I got a real like I can't really tell. He's one of those dudes I just look at him. I'm like, what's going on here? He seems pretty tan. Well, anyway, <laughs> MMA debut on Friday. He's Isn't a pretty good win? BJJ guy. Yeah, I don't know why it's a catchweight, but Dylan Dennis is a very he's a he's a fantastic jujitsu competitor. Right. Um, uh, Marcelo Garcia kicked him out of his gym, I think, for being a little shit okay. in general. But uh, he's he's wonderful on the mat. All he's right. I kind of had some expectations because Gary Tonin's out there making his MMA debut, showing striking, and Gary Tonin's out there doing that. I'm my the bar is no longer as low as it used to be for people making their MMA debuts. You know how to train, man. You train with Dale Conor McGregor. I want to see some fucking punches. I want to see Kyle Walker to get punched in the fucking head. This is Bellator, so you know Kyle Walker is, like, basically Rudy Bear's level. Like, he's set up to lose here. So I want to see Dylan Dana show me some shit. No, I'm not going to watch. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> Let's be honest. I can give a shit. Let's do stuff we like. Oh, um, before before we get to that. Oh, Marcus, uh, I, I forgot. Go mention, ahead. Uh, you know, we... Oof, how many episodes has it been? 400 and something? <laughs> Maybe not. And we're not even at three. We're like at 280 okay, ish. And let me just tell you, listeners, uh, the well running dry. We uh, we want to reach out to, you know, we, we, you know, we see the numbers. We know that we do have people listening and we want to get you guys more involved. Uh, we want suggestions for uh, members of a fight fan. If you guys have any questions or topics that, you know, we might have skated over a few weeks ago or something that's happening in the news this week that you want us to touch on, uh, shoot us an email. Uh, you can just email us at itsmamazing at gmail.com. Uh, no apostrophe. You can also hit us up on Twitter. Bobby's manning that. He's going to take all your, your suggestions. That's just at itsmamazing. So, uh, yeah, we want to hear from you guys and uh, hit us up because – you know, we've been we been, we have just wrenched. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got you more ideas. And- I mean, you got you got to appreciate last week where Stefan wasn't here and he's the one who threw it out there. And the first thing, and this is my fault. The first one I brought up for worst outside the cage thing was Joe Son, and that was that could have been the end of the podcast ever. It was that fucking depressing. So if you want less of that, <laughs> if you if you don't want me to go after this podcast to stare in the mirror for ten minutes, like. Okay, why'd you talk about that? I wasn't even here on the show last week, but I just like kind of left this pipe bomb out there. I was going to say, you just just rolled a grenade in the room and then left. (laughs) Like, that's what you did. (laughs) 
That was last week. Um, Man, if, if you didn't know the story of Joe's son, that is that is a dark place in humanity. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, let's do stuff we like. Um, mine's actually going to be uh, – I think we can – a couple of us can talk about this depending on who saw what last night. Um, I watched Westworld. Like, I hadn't seen any of it, and I watched it over the course of the last, like, 10 days, maybe, the first season. And I actually didn't know the second season was uh, airing last night until, like, a few hours beforehand. I thought I had another week or two. Um, I had a pretty good idea what was going on at the end of Westworld Season 1, you know. I was like, all right, I know this, 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 and that. And then Season 2, Episode 1 happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, there's a whole bunch of new stuff happening. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with any of that. Um, but I'm... Um, I really enjoyed the show, man. I uh, It took me a few episodes because, like, on the surface, the first two or three episodes, I'm like, eh, it's okay. And then it started getting really good. And now I'm, I'm kind of in, man. I'm excited. Um, I feel the uh, HBO really got uh, – is really pushing the promotion for it season two. Um, saw a lot of articles about it on uh, a lot of the daily websites I go to, which I feel I didn't see as much of last year. But that might have been just me, like, well, blanking it out. It did but I feel a two-year hiatus. It was one of those things. Um, and for, to what you're saying in terms of the massive promotion, this was meant to be a flagship show to kind of fill that void when Game of Thrones isn't on air. And, you know, that first season, it did pick up a lot of buzz, but it was just one of those things where the production schedule was just so costly and timely that, like, you know, a lot of shows are like that nowadays, too. Like Rick and Morty, it's, it's not that smooth season to season because of how much they put into developing them. But yeah, now that it's here and then Game of Thrones is still several months away, um, it's looking to be the new flag bearer for HBO uh, during this season. Yeah, um, yeah, I uh, just to throw a little something on there, um, <clears throat> I probably shouldn't talk about this stuff. It probably could get my cousin in trouble. But um, yeah, my cousin's been, you know, ever since high school, he went down to L.A. and he's been getting in the, the film industry. And uh, I always keep tabs on what he's doing and stuff. And for the most part, it's a lot of movies that I never hear of until I see a trailer for him. Like, oh, fuck, that's the shit my cousin was talking about. But uh, he he got to work on some uh, Westworld stuff. And he was telling me that, and I, this is shit I probably shouldn't talk about. I don't know if it's embargo. But, like, he said that he read some of the scripts, and they were super in-depth. And the shit that they were trying to pull off was just, like really high skill stuff and they had to cut a lot of it right like hbo the budget's only so big there's only so much stuff they could do he said like you know the storylines they were going for they really had to kind of shave down to get like the bare essence of what was good in those things and couldn't do the full uh you know scope of what they originally had just because of you know those budgetary constraints um and i think it's already known now he he mentioned that he worked on an episode that was taking place in the uh samurai or shogun era Westworld. So I think that, I mean, I know, you know, spoilers for season one, they kind of, I think it was the last episode or so they kind of show you like there's other theme parks here besides, yo, you got Mike up here lifting his headphones, man. That's fine. That, that's what, that's why spoilers are for about, but you know, you basically show like there's other parks going on here. And I know going into season two, I was like, okay, I want a whole season with that shit. I'm it, Cowboys. That, that was interesting. They made that shit fun, but I need to see, this other shit because that shit looks dope as fuck. So I'm glad they're at least touching on it. And I think that's easy Avenue. They can go on for other seasons. You're cool. Now, Mike, you're good. You're good, Mike. You're good. No worries. <laughs> that was, that was fun. Cause Mike was just making sound effects with his goddamn headphones. That was the thrilling for the listener Mike, for me, for that West all of us. Shit. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, Sorry about that. I like the show though, man. So, uh, I mean, we're already, this show somehow got a show with no UFC card next. We got long, just blame Bellator. I mean, so, yeah, I, just, I appreciate that it has an audience to be honest, because um, 
the type of, I mean, let's be the, the, the kind of the key center uh, focus of this is the nature of consciousness. And that is not a simple subject. And that is not an accessible subject to a lot of people. So that there's an audience for this, I, I really appreciate because um, it kind of goes into, I've had a lot of conversations lately with various people um, about which apocalyptic scenario they fear more, environmental catastrophe or AI. Um, so this this show gets to examine one of those roads that we may be going down in the not too distant future. But uh, yeah, love the show. Don't want to get into spoilers though, because we're just starting. But um, yeah, glad you're on it, Bob. I remember I got Mark into that and I was always nice to have more people to talk to about this show. Yep. Um. Yeah. Who else has got something? Let's go with Mike. Uh, you know, there's not too much for me this week. Um, I guess one thing that I was really excited about that came out last week was Pentatonix's new album. Oh fuck you, man! <laughs> Someone's got it. I got it more than there's a new album and fuck because I don't what, know what is, what is what is Bobby excited. What do you have against Pentatonix, man? What do you have oh against god smooth smooth acapella? Oh, okay, no, go ahead, Mike. Never mind. You just talk about it. I feel that people can make their own judgment. That's about it. So, what else do you want from me? I like the new Predatonics album. I mean, Bobby, Fine. don't. Here's my thing. Don't you don't try to take the high ground on music because music taste is subjective as hell. They are selling out. Like they'll do the city three nights in a row and they'll sell out every show. It's cool if you don't like them, but don't take the high ground no, on no. music taste. No, no, this isn't the high ground. I feel I had the same reaction the first time Mike brought him up, and now Mike's bringing him up again because he's enjoying my reaction. That's what I'm going with. Um, that everything revolves around you, Bobak. Maybe I just really like Pentatonics. To be fair, yeah, the sh now that we're talking the about it again, I do remember Mike mentioning them years yeah, ago. Yeah, what yeah, and Mike's had the shit-eating grin on his face. Excited about I the know. album. Yeah, yeah, Mike's acting like I don't know him. Okay, yeah, sure. Never mind, Mike. I apologize. Yo, you, man, you said it, you know, I've with a full I've, faith, there, I've man. I've never gone to a concert before, and I'm seriously considering buying tickets to their summer tour when they roll around here. Well, let me ask you one question, Mike. Having never heard a song a lyric from them how many songs do they snap their hands in uh none oh okay there's, i thought there'd be a lot of mm. there's five of them three of them are kind of the main singers they have one bass guy and then they have one dude that, you know because you got to get someone for the you got to get someone to do the baby back ribs right i guess <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um they have a beatboxer who can pretty much make any sound okay. of his mouth kind of like that one dude from police academy <laughs> okay that Win was, uh, that was what was that was that for that one but i like it <laughs> was that winslow was that his name on police academy i, I, I know it's been a while <laughs> yeah that was hey man police academy one pretty good all the other ones not so good um all right pentatonics album is out or it's coming out it came out last week Ooh, hot. Remember when, remember, remember when albums just came out on Tuesdays only? Now it's just whenever Kanye, you know, gets to itch up his ass, oh, something, all of a sudden there's a new album. Drop. That's, what, that's the hotness now. Don't tell nobody. It's out. You're excited. Oh, and in case you yeah. guys are wondering what the name of the album is, it's PTX Presents Top Pop Volume 1. Oh, shit. That means Volume 2 is coming. <laughs> that's some pressure. It better sell it. It's going to be like, what happened to Volume 2? Um, Stefan, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I wasn't here last week because I was at the uh, Warriors playoff game. Um, go Warriors every year this time of year. But um, part of that uh, last weekend, I've mentioned the game a bunch. I've mentioned the league itself, but uh, 
me and a friend of ours, Eddie, we went down to Los Angeles and we actually checked out the Overwatch League in person. Um, it was awesome. The Blizzard Arena is down in Burbank. It shares the parking lot with the Tonight Show. You know, you got all those this studio city in L.A. basically. Um, but it was really cool. The presentation was awesome. The kind of like the panoramic video board. Um, follow me on Instagram. I posted uh, like some stories and photos of it. It was really cool. You know, they had the merchandise booth, got free gear. Um, got to see all the commentators we watch on the streams on Twitch and everything. Um, I, I love the New York team. They, they, it was a great day of matches. Um, I was personally happy because when uh, the New York team all walked down like the little eye, the, like, you know, the entrance ramp, uh, I stood up just to see because I had been curious. I am taller than all those Korean kids. So that, that was a nice ego boost for myself because I am not a very tall human being. But nice to know I'm taller than somebody in this world. But that was just really fun. If you find yourself down in L.A., um, I recommend checking it out. It's like $30 to attend the Saturday session, $20 any other day of the week. It's, it's I mean, if you know anything about Overwatch, it's fun. And it's a game I've just really been enjoying. Um, I don't know if anyone mentioned it, but there's three episodes in. Um, any of you talked about My Hero Academia returning for the third season? Uh, No. Well, there's, it's back for the third season, and there have been about three episodes that have aired thus far. Um, I love that anime. It's like it's the anime I've most enjoyed in the last many several years. For me, it is the spiritual successor to Naruto, which was the spiritual successor from Dragon Ball. Um, and this is also coming from someone. I'm just going to take this soapbox moment. I hated Super. I didn't care. I was so off of Dragon Ball by the How time that came you back. Into- you were such a contrarian, Stefan. There's so, so many things other people like that you just hate. Well, I, I think I think there's some merit to that because I want to know how far did you get? Because I think, and I didn't watch a lot of Super, but I think the first arc, personally, I just found it. I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. Like when it's the the God, and the first five episodes, like, oh, I want a tasty treat, and it's just about him getting snacks. It's like I come to Dragon Ball to watch dudes either. One, fucking power up for five episodes, bitch. And two, fucking fight. <laughs> I don't want you to hear about tasty snacks and Boma's party on a ship. That's not the shit I come for for Super. So I think when you open with that, it's like, I'm out. But then later on, I hear like the next three arcs are just like, we're just having fucking tournaments all the time. And we're doing interdimensional tournaments. Like, that's the sh- open with that shit. I don't want to hear about the god who wants his tasty jello snack and puddings. That shit is not fun. I'll be honest, I watched the first few episodes and then I skipped around when like the big stuff happened. I would just go ahead and jump a few episodes and find it. Oh, it's smart. Uh, like Mike, it. why I don't like Dragon Ball anymore is it's it's why Mark fell off of it. And I think it's a very fair critique. That show is stale. It was fun and it was fun. And then all of a sudden it was repetitive. There is always someone stronger. There are like five more levels to being Super Saiyan. How many more Super Saiyans? Do we- yeah, that's why I just it got too much. Why is there more Super Saiyans? Like. When we start going, okay, now there's God Super Saiyan. Now there's the Pink Rose Super Saiyan. Like he's different. He's the guy. It's just that's what that's what it was like, and that's why you said you fell off of it around the Android. There was always another level. Even Naruto had a cap. There was eventually a ceiling cap. Dragon Ball never had the ceiling cap. It was always more and more, and it Mm. just it felt the same. It just I think it's just like an anime thing, because that that is the exact reason I fell off fucking Pokemon so hard. You got me as a kid. You told me there's 151 Pokemon and to catch them all. Here's the fucking song. Learn all their fucking names. And then what? Two years later? Oh, shit. 
I, I lift up this rock and 250 more Pokemon bones. No, you can't do that shit to me. You can't have a Pokedex and all this advanced technology and not, th not know that there's 150 more fucking Pokemon out in the world. Right there as a kid, I was like, I'm out. So angry. I'm out. That shit burned me, Mike. You can't tell a kid, collect them all, spend all your time collecting them, and then next year, oh shit, a bunch just came out of my butthole. It's like, no, man, you got to give me some context on why you didn't know there was like, at this point, at this point, there's 600 more Pokemon in the world you didn't fucking know about. What is going on? It's quite the booty. So take it down, take it uh, to a less angry. My point simply is, Mike, and you can counter me if you want on this. My opinion is most people who like Super, you like it more for nostalgia than that Dragon Ball is still good. I wouldn't say that. This show, it did a lot of fan service because it brought back uh, Future Trunks and the uh, Tournament of Power, which is the last arc in it. I just um, said nostalgia and you countered me with fan service? That is nostalgia, that's, boy. That's not nostalgia, though. That's fan service. There's a difference between the two. Closely related. Not, not, neither one are an indication of quality. But it was... <laughs> I mean, you really can't write. You can't write the show off, considering that you really didn't give it a fair shake. Um, and the last arc, which is the Tournament of Power, it had a little of anything because, yeah, there is the gripe that um, the ascending power levels, but the last arc, it kind of had a little of everything because there were so many fighters in it. Everyone got a time to shine, which is something that was sorely missing by the end of dragon ball z you know everything was about goku and don't get me wrong goku was the hero at actually goku wasn't the hero at the end uh so yeah there you go there you go Steph. um it wasn't all about power actually at the end when it came to to dragon ball super unless krillin saved the day you're not gonna wow me come on son krillin Oh, if you don't like Krillin, you ain't a real Dragon Ball fan. No, no, no. I, I love Krillin, but I mean, Krillin ain't saving shit. Yeah, he, he ain't getting it done anymore. <laughs> no, I, I, I want to check out those later because yeah, it was the whole because I watched the the God movie before Super came out. So I was already like, OK, I get this dude's thing. And then the first couple episodes just being about him getting his tasty treats. I was just like, I can't I can't do it. And then later I hear like, yeah. After that, we just have fucking tournaments all the time. Like that's all we do now. And I was like, "Fuck, that's the shit I really want to see." That I, I gotta jump. I gotta jump around to that. Fair enough. My uh, Mark, I don't know. You have wasted all your passion yelling about oh, a cartoon. So much, passion. but you know, I wondered, I wondered how long ago did that did that end? But look, Stefan, no matter whoa, what, whoa, Bobby, you say Pokemon ended. That shit is still going. Like, no, if you think I'm a Pokemon a <laughs> money train stopped? Like that shit's going. <laughs> And you know Fair what? Enough. Just one last hard point to make to Stefan. No matter what you think about Dragon Ball Super, the new Pentatonix album came out last week. <laughs> I got nothing wrong. I got no. I got no qualms of Pentatonix. I watched I, I, the I, reality acapella show that they won season one of. So I know all about Pentatonix. Oh, they got. I, a, they I got just, a new bassist. They they don't got the uh, the white dude that does deep sounds. They got a black dude that. Does they got deep rid of sounds. barbecue sauce. Wow. Or baby back then. I'm sorry. I'm getting I'm getting my, my bases mixed up here. All right, we're going Oh, to thank you so much. This. Yeah, Marcus, why not? Let's wrap it up with your right. stuff, man. What do you got? You got you House get... housekeeping out of the way first. Uh this week there's one indie game I'm really looking forward to called uh Swords of Ditto. It is kind of a roguelike Zelda type of game. If you check it out, the first thing you'll notice, like art style is fucking banging. What a cool, fun, cartoonish art style this game has going on. Um, but really, 
I mean, let's talk about the elephant in the room. What I started off the show with, uh, God of War is amazing. And I'm kind of surprised to sit here and say that. Even after we saw the review scores last week where it was getting 10s on all the major sites, it's at a 95 on Metacritic. Even having seen that and even watching video reviews and everyone saying how great the game is, I still came in with tempered expectations. And I, I'm honestly blown away about how much I liked this game. And the game does a few things that I want to press upon. I'm not going to give any spoilers. I don't want to ruin you know, any of the big story arc moments. But what I will say the game does extremely well is that it is constantly rewarding you for whatever you do, especially exploration. And a lot of these quasi-linear games where you're basically set upon to go on a certain path to get to your next objective and then so on and so forth. And while the world's a little bit bigger and you can travel back to places and reopen areas that you couldn't before, what the game does so well is they present you in this room and it's like, go forward is the main objective. Now you look right. There's another, there's another track. There's another kind of pathway you can go on to the right. And a lot of games do this where they kind of give you, oh, there's another unbeaten path. But a lot of times in those games, there's not really much of an award at all for that or every... One in three of those side little tracks will have some kind of a reward for you. But God of War is anytime you explore, you're getting rewarded with either like money, experience, or items that you collect. Um, so you're constantly just like as you explore, you're not only getting rewarded with just like in-game currency or things to uh, you know make Kratos stronger, you're either getting or you're getting lore for um, North mythology. And it's just that that constant drive to be like, oh, I wonder what's over here, and then get something cool out of it. It's constantly rewarding, but the, the crux of the game really lies on something that God of War is not known for, which is it has an extremely strong narrative and strong characters and incredible writing. And when I say incredible writing, it's not just the dialogue the characters speak, which in and of itself is really good. They do a great job having Kratos be kind of the, um, the hard stonewall, not comedic, always about business character type. And then having his son be kind of the more aloof kind of, I mean, more just really like kind of whimsical. And he kind of puts context around the whole world that you're in. Because essentially the, the premise is that Kratos was a Greek god. He essentially in the other games killed all the gods. And now he's moved to Norway. And now he's part of this North mythology, which he does not believe in. And while he's been there, he's been told about their gods and just basically doesn't believe them as real people because he you know he's in his own thanos and he believes that the gods that he fought and killed are the only gods so to come into this new kind of landscape and to slowly realize like oh shit these gods are real and i don't know anything about them but my son does and he could read and what's cool about the son is that he can read the runes that kratos cancer constantly asking him to read and that's and kind of one of the jokes is that kratos does not name does not call his son by his name which i can't even remember i think it's like artemis or something i always fuck it up but he constantly just refers to him as boy it's like boy read this boy don't do that it is hopefully you guys will play it i don't want to put any pressure on you guys i know i mentioned it to steph and he's like ah, it's not really my type of game i think whenever you give it the chance and you should i think you will be pleased um it's not really like the old god of war games the battle system like we mentioned last week they adjusted the camera it's not really the old hack and slash that the other games um, kind of took their gameplay from. It is 
the the battle system is more uh strategy oriented and you have to kind of think about what you're doing a little bit more because the old games are just like kratos had these big fucking chains with swords on them and he just swing that shit around and you're basically just hitting everyone that's in front of you and you're basically that whole game was just about building up combos where this battle system is really about utilizing your skills and kind of controlling the battleground so you're not getting flanked from the side and basically, you know, you're going to freeze this guy over here and attack this guy. And before you finish him off, you know, get your axe back. And there's a lot of things to talk about with God of War. But really, the only thing I really want to press upon is that it is so much better than I thought it was going to be. And everything in the game clicks really well. The combat's great. The exploration's great. The story's fantastic. The writing's phenomenal. The game looks amazing. Um, and I think it, it, it is. I think God of War in and of itself isn't the type of game that everyone's going to look at and be like, oh, this is really interests me or excites me. I feel like the reason why this game got so many tens and kind of how I look at scoring criteria in video games is essentially when a game is regarded in such high regard that God of War is, Breath of the Wild, Mario Odyssey, when you hit that on Metacritic, that 90 and above arc, you start to get into playgrounds where it's like, maybe if you don't even like this type of game, you might like this one because it's done so well. And I think God of War falls into that. You might not really like hack and slash games. You might not really like narrative character driven games, but you still might like God of War because it's done so well. So um, I, I really, I couldn't recommend it to people more. I it, it is a game that I'm not just infatuated with, but it's like, I'm thinking about coming back and playing more. And I'm not even thinking about like what I have to do next in the, in the game, it's just like, man, I just want to be in that world some more, and I want to explore, and I want to get Kratos more combat maneuvers. Because the one criteria, I, the one critique I'll give of the game is the beginning hour. The combat is very—it's it, not slow, but they dull out certain mechanics too slowly. They don't give you all the mechanics that you're going to have in the combat right away. So I know in the first couple battles, I was like, I feel kind of limited. I only have this small set of moves. I can only do these certain things, but. When you progress and it basically opens up to your skill tree and how you kind of spec Kratos out, whether it's the armor and gear you give him or the different skill sets you give to him, um, it really makes the combat more robust and really a lot more satisfying. So, I mean, it, it, I could just go on and on, but it's a fantastic game. And, you know, whether it, this convinces you to pick it up today or you see it in two years for like 15 bucks, like this is a game when you play it, I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy. So. Hi, Mark. And in a few weeks, when Mark has moved on from it, when I when I beat it, I'll give it to you to play because it is that good. There we go. That's friendship right there, folks. Um, man, it, it right. sucks uh, not living with Mark anymore. Man, he, man had all the games that I just wanted to dabble in, but didn't want to commit to. But I bet if, if I lived with Mark, I still wouldn't play UFC three. That's you how might. I don't game you I, might. You might. I forgot UFC three even came and went. It did. That's, it's not great. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's yeah. why I'm not pushing it. I'm not. I'm not trying to sell you guys on it because you're not going to be happy when you get it. You're going to be like, Mark, fucking goddamn it. I just want a way to play one of the old UFC games on my PS4 or Switch. That's what you I want to do. Play undisputed. one of the old ones. You got to. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was. I was. You got to do three. If you're not doing three, because one and two were all right, but three with pride, that's where they really knocked it off. I was. I think I was better at two. I'm convinced nobody, I mean, nobody, I didn't play anybody that good, of course, but like, if you gave me BJ Penn in the second game, I could beat the computer on any difficulty easily, I thought. I would, that was, I was the man. I knew all the fucking weird, like, bullshit moves that weren't like, you know, I could crap him in rubber guard and just punch him in the face for like half an hour. 
and nobody would stop me, that type of shit. I was pretty good with BJ Penn in the second one. I was less good at the third one. These EA games, I My complaint sucked. about that game is uh, one time Mark and I played a match against each other where all we did was touch gloves for the entirety of the fight, and I won a unanimous decision. It did not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was weird. We were, I think we were trying to see if we if you could possibly get a draw in that game, and apparently I just I controlled gloves better. better of the octagon better when I was touching gloves with Mark, so I somehow came with Do you remember? Decision. Do you remember the time, I think I was with you, and I think it was with you and, I'm not sure if Mike was there, I was definitely with you, Steph, where we put the game on, like, ultimate difficulty and just did computer versus computer just to see what would happen. It was something like and it was 378 just, reversals and sweeps. Yeah, that's all it was. They just kept sweeping each other. I was like, this is, this is, not, okay, this gives you a sign of what this game's about. Um, I just want to end with this. Uh, I'm reading about Alexander Gustafson getting dunked on by both Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Dunked on maybe a little bit harsh, but... Alexander Gustafson posted that while others are talking about retirement, I just signed my new deal with the UFC today. And then he goes on to say, hashtag uh, new champion, whatever, yada, yada, yada. And the shot about retirement, obviously, is to DC. And DC leads off with, Alex, what exactly exactly have you accomplished in your career? Oof. I've earned the right to retire on top. Your greatest accomplishment is two close losses. Oof. Congrats on the new contract. Now go fight. It's been two years. Enough with the social media. Mm. Which I was like, man, that's a little harsh, DC, but okay. Tough but fair. Tough but fair. Yeah. And then John Jones rolls in. I don't even like DC, and I enjoyed this. Too funny. Laughing emoji. Alex, bring all your tough guy shit to the championship rounds next time. Ooh. Man. Wow. He, Alex, <laughs> Gustafson got these two to team up. Man. That's what I it took, man. wait until, like, John Jones and DC debut in that Dusty Rhodes tag team tournament in NXT. Man. That's oh, two, uh, two mortal enemies that hate each other so much teaming up against a common enemy. You don't see things like this except in Dragon Ball Super when Goku <laughs> and Frieza team up against the end guy. You don't see people what? fight against a common enemy. That's like the focus of most fictional series. When was the last time you saw Goku and Frieza fight against one dude together? But you Why know who right? alive. Like, I, I did Frieza see... back. I did see Goku and Vegeta fight a bunch of people. That's kind of similar. Yeah, but that's so old head. That's so old, man. I mean, come on. <laughs> Sasuke and Naruto, they had to go this against is, the Kaguya. It happened it everywhere. Straight up, everywhere. This, I, don't know, I, I don't know what it is for everybody else, but this is one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. <laughs> More DVD I mean, talk. I mean, between that, you know, me just getting angry at Mike for picking a band... I mean, I asked somebody, I asked Mark if he, you know, Fado versus Frank Mir, do you even give a shit? That was my fight analysis. I'm very much enjoying myself, guys. I hope you guys did too. Uh, we're going to be back next week in a situation where there's no UFC card to fight. Maybe something will happen in Frank Mir versus Fedor that we'll talk about. Um, there won't be a UFC card to preview yet. We'll still fill two hours. So, though, don't worry. I mean, look, let's be honest. Uh, Stefan's got at least 45 minutes of Avengers talk penciled in, right? Yeah. Oh, so I mean, so the, the, I will say for Mir and Fedor, the double knockout potential is higher than most fights. Uh, Have all of you yeah. gotten your Avengers tickets yet? I did today. Dude, I, I gotta, I, I'm gonna be in Vegas. I gotta find, a, I'm gonna go watch the shit myself. I gotta go get myself a, a reserved seat at whatever. I need to find a Vegas theater not next to the Strip so I don't pay $22 for a fucking movie. Shoutouts to our... By myself as well. Shoutouts to our buddy Eddie. He's uh, doing a solo trip in Europe and he's planning to catch the Avengers in Paris. So he did well better. 
You got it. You got it. The first you get to Paris, what's the first thing you do? You go see the Avengers. But I mean, let's be real. Like of all of us, Eddie's the hardest Marvel movie cinematic universe dude. He sees them all like midnight day of. For him not to see the big culmination would be just tragic. I mean, part one of the big call. This this is this is still part one, right? It, I know it's still part one, but like okay, it's Thanos, baby. He's coming to Earth. Hey, by the way, this is no joke. Um, if anybody here, not no one on this podcast even uses Twitter all that much, but those of you who listen, you're gonna want to block or mute Colby Covington right now because gonna, if you don't remember, he's gonna spoil. He flat out, you a nerd. He flat out spoiled uh, Star Wars, which <laughs> it was. It was it was a dick move, but afterwards I was I was laughing at how angry everybody got on some level. I'm like spoil shit and call you nerds. Yeah, I like this guy so much more. That's kind of what it is. I mean, like I, I was I was both thinking he was a dick, and the other side of me was like how angry everybody got made me laugh on some level too. So I don't know. Part of me, but yeah, it's gonna happen. Hello, Colby Covington. You deserve that. Least, yeah, that's it too, man. Colby Covington. Yeah, that is hilarious. I, mean, I literally dude, okay. You know how we did that segment about. Fighters you like doing stuff outside of the octagon going going to shop. <laughs> so yeah, my Mark's not turning around on Colby Covington, hoping he wins that fake belt in uh in Chicago. And I'm a geek. All right, guys, you piss me off, and I'm still for. Dude, I had to like uh some journalist retweeted him, and I only I only didn't see it because I'd already blocked Colby Covington, and I'm like, oh, I gotta block this journalist too. I can't trust this motherfucker anymore. Some dude from MMA Junkie. I'm like, you gotta go out chopping block. <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go. All right, guys. Um, we'll be back next week, as I mentioned. Probably talking about Infinity War, um, some other shit too. Maybe, uh, maybe these boys will get caught up on Atlanta because mm. show's fucking weird, man. It's yeah. good. Show's fucking weird. Yeah. So, um, thanks for listening. As I mentioned, we'll be back next week, and uh, peace out. See, See you guys. guys.